name's Jane, and this is Harry, and you might be thinking, who on earth are those people? We live far away in Bristol, so that's where we sort of live. Well, I live in Wick, actually, and then Harry's in Bristol. Um, and I've known Wes down here, if you don't know Wes, he's got the shiny head, and I've known him since he was a, I was about nine. So um, you were, no, you weren't, you're older than me. So uh, I was about nine, so if you want to know any really interesting stories, then come and find me afterwards. You might have some ammunition. And then Harry is a wonderful friend of mine that I sort of said, I don't want to do this on my own, you come with me. So here he is. So thank you to Harry as well. I just wanted as well, before we started, um, worship guys, the band, amazing. 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 Thank you. Give a big... Brilliant. Great job. Good job. Um, And particularly so, I've led worship like a little bit, and I remember one time when I was about their age, and I started leading, and then like my voice broke, like right at the beginning, so I started singing, and I was like, and then there's a pause, and everyone was looking at me, and I think I maybe did one song, we had maybe six planned, and I did one song and sat down, I just couldn't take it, so the fact that you guys carried on and led us so amazingly, thank you so much, that was brilliant. Good, good. No. I'm going to go like this. Yay, good. Hands up if you know who Greta is. Yeah? Okay. Now, if I'd asked you that in August 2018, all right, so only a year and a bit ago, and I'd said, who's Greta? You'd have all been going, who? Who are you on about? And Greta there, that's her first time she did a climate little strike thing. And she was on her own in front of the Swedish government building or whatever, August 2018, on her own, first day, there she is, what's it say, something like, I'm not a translator, but school strike for climate, there she is. The next day, a few more people went and sat with her, and a few more, and a few more, and then eventually, we get to this sort of story, don't we? So, have a little watch. My name is Greta Thunberg, I'm 60 years old, I come from Sweden, and I want you to panic. I don't want your hope. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act. I want you to act as if the house was on fire. Because it is. Deforestation of our great forests. Toxic air pollution. Loss of insects and wildlife. These are all disastrous trends. Great, Greta. I mean, she has influenced millions, if not, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a million, a billion or so people, hasn't she? She's influenced what we think, and yet a year and a bit ago we didn't know who she was, and she's become a figurehead of pushing the whole climate crisis to the top of our news agenda. So she's done a massive, massive job of influencing people, and you sort of think, well, you know, why has she done that? Why did she start on her own like that? And she won't have found that easy. All right, even doing that first day of that climate strike, putting herself out there. And she won't have found, you know, all the opposition she's had from the media. She won't have found that easy. She, she doesn't find public speaking easy, getting up. All right, if you read loads of stuff she writes and says in interviews, she doesn't find it easy. But why does she do it? She does it because there's something inside her that is so passionate about our planet and about bringing about climate justice, that she does it, all right? And she's influenced, well, she's influenced me a bit, she's influenced loads and loads of people all across the globe. 
And when we were thinking about this sort of myth, that apparently you're doing a series, this is the start of it, right? This is Mythbusters, right? So we're on the first myth, and the myth today is my faith is private. And when I was thinking about that, Greta came to mind. And actually, if Greta had kept quiet, that whole movement that's gone on and the masses that were on the streets, you know, a few weeks ago, all striking, not going to work, not going to school. Would that have happened if she had gone, actually, my beliefs are private and I'm not going to share that? I don't know. It might have happened. Okay. But it's worth thinking about, isn't it? All that sort of stuff. So my faith is private. The bit that was read to us is in Matthew 10. And uh, Harry's going to share a little bit about that bit in the Bible. And we're going to think about this myth and hopefully bust it. (laughs) Okay, go on. Yeah, right. So, um, just a little Bible plug. Uh, For those of you who like the Bible, awesome. Uh, For those of you who don't read your Bible so much, it's okay. Uh, But uh, for me, in terms of talking about faith, understanding how we do it and understanding why we're disciples... Scripture is, I used to think it was boring, absolutely love the stuff now. So do talk to me afterwards if you want to have someone evangelize, not just about Jesus, but about Scripture as well. So, context, um, Matthew 10, um, there's a bit of like a, um, can you guys hear me all okay? Is that okay? Everyone good? A bit of a boom. Maybe I should... Is that okay? I've got a really loud voice anyway, so maybe I'll just project quite well. So... Matthew 10. So the verse we're looking at at the moment is, is this one. Um, Whoever acknowledges me before others, uh, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. So when we read this part of uh, the scriptures, this is the first time that Jesus is sending people out. This is, it's just the 12 disciples. And if we read through it, it's, it's quite an intense bit of scripture. And we can read it and have loads of questions. And one thing I'd say is when we read scripture, when we have things we don't understand... That's the bit we need to press into and be like, well, why, why is he saying this? Um, and, and when I first read this bit of scripture, this bit about acknowledging me, I can, I can sort of look at it and go, oh gosh, well, have I talked about Jesus recently? Have I sort of acknowledged him to people? And have there been times where I've gone, oh, maybe I should have said something and I didn't. And so now is he going to deny me? And, and when I read it, and especially when I was maybe your guy's age, when I read it, I, I just found it really difficult. And actually it put more of a pressure on me to go, oh gosh, I really need to be stepping out and it's sort of my duty. When we look at this verse in, in its context, Jesus is sending them out. And this is a really big mission. This is the first time. It's sort of like, it's sort of a pep talk, but with instructions. Okay, and this is, this is what I want you guys to go and do. And when it talks about, I've, I've got a commentator, A.T. Robertson. Anyone heard of A.T. Robertson? No, I hadn't either, but he says something quite good. He says, here, when Jesus is speaking, when he talks about acknowledging and when he talks about denial, he's not just talking about a social uh, breach. So he's not just saying, okay, when you say this uh, or, or don't say this, Jesus is actually talking about, about it, it's so much more than just what we're saying here. It's more of a solemn law. So on one side with the acknowledgement, so in us acknowledging Christ, is saying that this is either the most intimate, closely connected, in Christ, knowing Christ, unity. You know, if you acknowledge me, if you know me, if you have this relationship, compared to a complete denial of unity. 
a complete denial of relationship and a complete stepping the other way. And so when we're reading this, Jesus' words are never, we, we can read it as being quite casually, but actually when we read Jesus' words here, there's, there's a weightiness to it. It's saying when you go out, know that there'll be people who acknowledge and, and the unity there and who know me intimately, and then there'll be people who you go to and, and they won't. But he's saying this is something you need to acknowledge as we go out and as we share, and this, this is the side that we're really wanting people to be on because of, because of um, um, the freedom that comes in that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But as we look at, well, why did you say this to disciples? When we think, well, why would they go out? Because in the beginning, in the middle, is it verse 17 or verse 19? It says, when they arrest you. And you think, why, why would you go out if you're a disciple? Why would you want to be going to do these things? It's because when this relationship of acknowledging of that unity with Christ, when Jesus is saying it, this is, this is such a powerful relationship. He's like, you've got to know that Though you guys might have this and you'll meet people with this, there'll also be people who don't. And so that's sort of the context that, that he's saying them out in. And so why would they go and tell people? Because they know that actually they've, what they've received, they're bringing to other people. And what, they want, uh, what they've received themselves, they really want to see other people receive as well. So I hope I've communicated that it's, it's, there's a weightiness to it that is much more than when we initially read it and go, oh, crack, I suppose I should acknowledge this to my friends, which is an amazing thing to do. But there's a, a deeper relationship there that, um, that we're going to talk about a little bit more now as well. Great, good. So it, is a, it was a huge challenge for them. Uh, you know, Harry said that they were, it said in the passage, that you might get arrested, you might get flogged, but actually I want you to go out, I want you to do stuff that I've been doing, this is what Jesus was saying to them, and I want you to speak uh, the truth about me and what you know, all right? Um, and then when you think about us, you, I, I sort of read it and think, oh, that's all right. That was just disciples going out. They had to change the world. You know, is it really for me and for you? Do we have to go out and share our faith and do this whole like acknowledging this deep thing where we say, actually, I'm connected to God. I'm in this and sort of show that in the way we live and, and the, the things that we share. And you sort of think, oh, surely it was just for the disciples. Yeah. But actually, there's loads and loads of other bits in the Bible that says, actually, it's for all of us. And there's a, a verse here. I know that some of you are getting baptized soon. Six of you. Is that right? Six people getting baptized? About that, yeah. And this was a verse that was read for me when I got baptized. I was 11 when I got baptized. And it says, if you confess, that means if you speak with your mouth about like Jesus and believe in your heart, then you will be saved, all right? And like Harry was saying, there was something in me, I believed so much in my heart. And when I was in church, yeah, 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 it's all good. But that confessing bit, actually speaking, is something I struggled with from being 11 for years, all right? And I think it's quite a tough thing to actually speak and say. And, and you could read that and think, oh, I'm going to feel a bit guilty about that. I don't think that's what tonight's about. I don't think that's what Jesus is about. I think he, but he does say, come on, it's a brilliant thing to speak about it. And there is loads of other things. There's another bit, another verse in the Bible that says, uh, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who speaks to you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So there's something about it for all of us about that sharing faith. And you might think, okay, the disciples found it a huge challenge well, actually, I'm going to find it a hard challenge as well. And I've, I've sort of shared that I've, I've found it a challenge, a real challenge to actually speak out and share your faith. One of the things that I've massively struggled with, particularly when I was younger, like some of you lot here, is just thinking, well, what are people going to think of me? 
they're going to think I'm weird or they're going to reject me or they're not going to be interested in hanging out with me anymore. Right, so that whole worry of like, will they reject me is a big one. And another one is how on earth do I say something? How, I haven't got the arguments. I'm not very... I'm not going to come out sounding very clever about it and blah, blah, blah. So those were my two sort of big things. I used to think, man, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to share my faith, even though I sort of knew deep inside me that I, I sort of wanted to do it a bit as well. Okay, great. I mean, this bit here, Harry's already slightly started to touch on it, and we'll speak a bit more of it as we go on. But in terms of those disciples about why they wanted to share their faith and then touching a bit on why we might, those disciples have massively had their lives changed by Jesus, haven't they? Massively. And then they were starting to look at the world in a different way and think, well, do we want that for others too? Um, and I suppose for us, it's questioning, do we want that for the people around us, the people we'll meet tomorrow and Tuesday and on it goes? Do we want that for them to experience God? So. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so. Uh, we thought it would be helpful just to go through our um, where we were maybe before we were Christian or when we became Christians and then what it looks like for us now. Because the reality is we, um, we love talk, talking to people about Jesus. Um, I love it. But I didn't always. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family. And then when I was 16, uh, sort of 16, 17, I thought actually I really want um, this not just to be I go to church and sort of have this uh, time when I'd go to church with my parents or actually I played football for most of the time and then I came to church um, but then it was around 16, 17 that I said I really want to take this more seriously but I still didn't really want to share about Jesus and I was embarrassed a little bit and I think I still saw Jesus as this nice guy who wore sandals and socks and a dress and said be nice to people and I was like oh gosh how am I going to tell my mates to be nice, like, and that—that's basically what I saw it as. And so, from that position, I found it—I found it really tricky, because um, you had a similar yeah. sort of thing, didn't you? Yeah, and I can remember all the way through secondary school, just thinking, I do not want to say what I think about Jesus, what I think about faith. I had a teacher who somehow found out that I went to church, and it was like it wasn't the coolest teacher. And they used to say in front of the class, are you going to come to the Christian club? Like this, Jane, are you coming? And it was in front of all these people. I just thought, oh my goodness. I was like, no, don't, don't, no. And so I had to go and like just keep him happy. And then my friends would be going, did you go? Did you go with all that lot? And they were quite a funny little bunch of people. And I just found it a huge, huge embarrassment, a real, real embarrassment. So I, I struggled a lot. I didn't have barely any sort of Christian friends that I connected with at school and found it a struggle. I also found it a struggle a bit at uni as well, apart from some of the friends that I, I started to meet then. But yeah, mm. I did find it tricky. And so I think one aspect of this is going, okay, when we come to evangelism, when we come to talking about faith, there's an aspect of like, oh, it can be tricky. So how do we get through that? And when we were talking about this talk and talking about, okay, well, my faith is private. So, you know, is it good to talk about, you know, good strategies for evangelism or good strategies or, you know, setting up clubs or these things? They're all brilliant. But we realized... For us, the, the, where it started was going, well, why on earth do we want to go out anyway? Why is Jesus saying to these disciples, like, acknowledge me and, um, and I'll acknowledge you. If you deny me, then, then, then I would, I'll deny you to my father. In the message version, it's like, stand up for me and I'll stand up for you. And if you don't, then how can you expect me to come before my father and, and say, look, here they are. If you don't want to, then, you know, 
it's going to be tricky. So for us, it's so why do we want to do this? So when I was about 18, I remember being in a, like, I, I love worship. I just, I love, I love the, I think I love the music first. And then I realized actually there's, there's something really special about worship. And when we come praise our, our God. And there's one time in worship where I think I was, I don't know if I was sort of connecting, but I, I just really feel, clearly felt that God said to me, say what you want me to be saying to you. I don't get it. He's like, I felt him say, you, me, Harry, speak out whatever you want to be hearing from me. So I thought, and I said, there's one thing I really want to be hearing from you, Lord. And that's, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Because I just didn't really believe it. I didn't really think it. I'd read it, but I just didn't really get it. So maybe for about five minutes, I just said, I love you. I love you. Just on the floor, just like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Maybe like 50, 60, 70 times. And after however many times those words stopped being my words that I said, and I started to really, really believe it. And um, there's in 1 John 5, it talks about how perfect love casts out fear. And uh, it was about, I don't know why it was, but it was about 1 a.m. I remember walking through central Bristol and just being like on top of the world, like the most joyful, the most peaceful, the most just in love with God I'd ever been. And this whole concept I'd never really understood. And then you experience it and you go, wow, he's real. This is truth. And you realize um, when he says, come to me, all you who are in burden, and I'll give you rest. His knock on the door will be open to you. And all these things come in. And suddenly I was like, yeah, I'm in. Not because I've read all these books and understood all these things, which is great to read and it's scriptures and all is great, but because this encounter with God had changed everything. And I didn't need to be the most learned person. I didn't need to be all these things. And that just changed everything. And so then it went from being, oh, I'd better tell people about this, to being like, you've got to know this because it's transformed me and it's transformed my life and it's freedom. And if you don't know it, then you're missing out. Uh, and it just changed everything. So that was what, that was what changed it for me, um, the why. Great. And in terms of other people experiencing that, have you seen other people experience some of that stuff? Yeah. So I... Uh, it's one of my, it's, in terms of miracles, I've seen, you know, different things, but my favorite miracle, my favorite way that I see God move is when you see someone who's over here and then almost overnight, they just seem like a completely new person. It, it, I, that is probably why, in terms of testimony, where I'm like, I, I have to, God is, is, is real. You can't go from here to there without something extraordinary changing your heart. And, um, the one, the, the one that I, uh, example I had two weeks ago, uh, I moved into a place in Bristol and, uh, my housemate, let's call her Anna, um, had had a crazy 11 years. When she was 14, she was diagnosed with an eating disorder and went to hospital and she did her GCSEs in hospital, uh, which she assured me was, uh, not fun at all and, uh, very difficult. And, um, she came out of hospital, she went back into hospital, she came out of hospital, she went back into hospital. She got sectioned, which I hadn't heard of before, which is where you're, you're basically forced to go into hospital because you're so ill. And she was like that until she was 24, so 10 years. And uh, she'd at one point even tried to end her life. And it was just the most horrific story. And it, there's, there's layers and layers of this story uh, that Dad's time to go into. And uh, one time she's in Bristol and she's in a cafe and uh, she's never heard of Jesus before, never ever 
spoken to a Christian, uh, grew up in South London, found herself in Bristol, having moved to a secure house there, and uh, in a cafe. And these two women come up to her and just start chatting to her. She's by herself. And after a little bit, they say, oh, we're from a church around the corner and it's, it's Sunday. I mean, you'd be really welcome to come and join us if you like. And she's sort of like, oh, I'm not doing anything else and you seem nice. Okay, let's go. So they went to the church and during that service, that first service, she encountered God. And she said the love that came into her at that moment changed everything. A month or whatever later, I don't know what the time's going to be, she got baptized. And she showed me the video, and I've never seen anyone so thin. Um, it, it, I don't know how someone gets to be that size. And now, what is it, a year on, a year and a half on, she's training to become a climber because she wants to be in the 2020 Olympics uh, as a climber. Um, she is incredible. Her love for God is, she keeps on posting these songs on our, on our WhatsApp group for our house. And it's like, all right, just calm. You know, these worship songs, just, all right, give us a minute, give us a minute, Anna. We, you know, too many songs. But before, she was in a place where she was like, okay, this, I, I need to end it all because this is just too much. And now she's one of the most joyful people you'll ever meet. And every day just going on about how God's changed her life. And that wasn't from her. She never even heard the name Jesus. And she comes along, she has this encounter with God. And now she's going after him and telling people about him. And it's not because of, of, of a duty, but it's because of a look at what's happened in my life. The term witness isn't just to evangelize. To witness is because you've seen something, you've heard something, and you witness and you tell what you've seen. And she's seen amazing change in her life. And now she wants to witness and tell people about that. So for us, in terms of the why, that's just one story. There's so many stories, but one story of God coming in saying, you're my child and I love you and I want to change your heart. And uh, and then you go. Mm. So that was, yeah, Woo. brilliant, crazy story. And I, I think Harry and I could probably go on and on about different things. But the key is, for both of us, when we were chatting about this, is something happened deep in us that made us realize more and more that God is real and that he's part of our lives and he started changing us more and more and then you want others to know that and you get caught up in that exciting story of you can be a part of what God's doing in other people's lives which is pretty major um one thing that really changed for me as well in terms of us talking about okay well I used to not share and now I share you lot when I had we they had this prayer meeting at the beginning of the service I just looked around at you lot I thought wow what an amazing group of friends quite a lot of you younger ones have got here fantastic all right and I think I was lacking that in school and I had a few growing up but not really really strong Christian sort of friends and I didn't get it until later on okay so I would say hold on to those incredible Christian friends you've got because they will support you and you'll be inspired by that by them and and I'd say it took me till I was about in my mid-twenties, and I was um, teaching, and I had someone, I was a geography teacher, I know that Seb's going to go and be into geography, aren't you, big whoop for the geographers, good, and um, so in the classroom next to me was a history teacher, and his sort of faith, and his sharing of his faith really inspired me, yeah, and then I had another friend who, yeah, just seeing her, she hadn't been, been a Christian long, but seeing her sharing about her faith, I was like, oh my goodness me, really, really inspiring. I don't know whether you're into Stormzy or what you think of him, but he's another person. I'm always looking out for people. I think, wow, that's inspired me. All right, now Stormzy could just go, oh, I'm just going to rap about all sorts of other stuff in life. 
or I could include God and just look at this one little bit where at the beginning he acknowledges who God is. We're going to take this to church and we're going to give God all the glory right now. We're giving God all the glory right now. Let's go, man. Help me out. We won't go and all sing along, but anyway. Um, but again, he's got a choice, hasn't he? Does he make his faith private? You know, is it private or does he make it public? Uh, another person you might be into, old Lauren Daigle. Um, again, she's received all sorts of opposition from people saying, oh, she's not sharing her faith enough or she's sharing it too much and all this sort of stuff. This she posted last week, a sort of new video explaining her latest um, sort of single, all right? And it's, it's fascinating. We'll watch about 30 seconds. Again, she's got a choice. Hearing stories like this and seeing people like this in a public forum really inspires me. I think, yeah, if they can do it, then, uh, you know, we're all in this together. So... wrote Rescue um, with a loved one in mind, so that makes this one of the most personal songs that I've ever been a part of. I remember getting this vision about a girl who was caught in a really desperate situation. She was running to all of these vices in order to find just an element of hope and or just something to keep her in the, in the process of this desperation. And in came walking down the hall, Jesus, and instead of judging her for maybe some of the actions that she had chosen that were really painful and difficult, he sat with her in the midst of it all. And he didn't try to fix her. He just was with her. And I get this vision, and I got part of the chorus, and I go into the studio, and I said, I think I have something, but I didn't have a lot of confidence. I wasn't sure. And it was, for me, one of the songs that I had felt the most attached to, the most connected to, as a writer. Cool. Where are we, Jane? Help me out. We're on here. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, again, as we said, this is a topic, this is sort of like showing our faith that for me, I was like, well, oh, just how do we do it? And I think, as we said, the why is where we've got to start. Um, the other thing that is important to know is that it's not on us. It's not all on us. Anna, she went into that cafe and uh, it wasn't that these people who came to talk to her had to do all of this, you know, prep and really work hard. They literally went up and they just listened to God and they, and they went. Um, and they just, they, they sort of gave what, there's a bit in um, John 13 that says, this is how they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love each other. So they just went and they were just disciples. And uh, the transformation came not because they were working really hard, but because we're told that we've got the wonderful counsellor. We've got the Holy Spirit with us. And uh, and so in one sense we can go, but we know that we're, we're, we're Jesus' hands and feet. And uh, we've got an amazing counsellor with us who uh, is the one who transforms our hearts and transforms the hearts of our friends and transforms the heart, our hearts daily. Um, so sort of, I find it a massive reassurance to take the pressure off me to go, oh gosh, you know, man, I've got to work every day and work really hard and I'm, I'm the only one here. And God's like, heck man, I'm the one, to, I'm, I'm the one who's, who's going to be with you right every step of the way. Uh, and powerfully so. You're not the one who transforms their hearts, I am. So when, there's, in Matthew 22, 
where he talks about the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And, uh, and the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And it says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. So if you're struggling to love your neighbor, go back to the first one and allow the second to be an overflow of the first one. If we're struggling to love our neighbor, if we're struggling with, with, with loving, go back to the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and allow the Spirit to guide you in that. Um, that's been my experience. And gosh, it's taken any pressure off. You know, I've really got to be this one to, to tell my friends to do all the legwork. It just doesn't work like that. Um. Great, good. We're getting there. And then I think, you know, like I said about that verse that was given to me when I got baptized about speaking, I think the more I've spoken about Jesus, the more I've realized that there's actual power in it. And, you know, like that story of, of um, Anna, Anna, you see the power of what God does there. You know, they've just said, oh, do you want to come to church? Or they've spoken stuff, and you see stuff happening. There's one, one scenario. Sometimes you get these big scenarios that happen with people, and sometimes it's just a bubbling over, and people are just like, oh, you know, they don't want to listen to you, whatever. I had one in a park in, in, in Bristol at some sort of Christian event, and I was a bit like, oh, man, we're doing a Christian event in the park. And, and you know, I was sort of thinking, oh, no, thinking, is it going to be cringy? Anyway, someone comes along, and I thought, oh, I, it was a bit like that trust in the Holy Spirit. I sort of sensed, oh, I better talk to her. She's on her own. So I went and said, hi, which everything within me was wanting to just, I don't know, go and get a, a burger or something. So, hi, how are you? Anyway, she's had a really, really rubbish time of it, and... I just sensed in me, just say, do you want me to pray for you? Now, okay, it's not a, a, a big deal, is it? But for me, it was, right, do you want me to pray for you? And then she said, yeah, 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 I would. I don't I even know this girl. So I prayed for her. And then I just like looked at the corner of my eye where I'm praying for her. And she's just crying and crying. And all I've said is like, well, you know, just may she know that you love her and that you're with her. You know, just, just stuff that you sort of think small, but it's powerful. And... Again, I didn't have to be the one doing that. That was God by his power. And then when I sort of finished, I went, mm, have you ever been to church before? And she said, oh, no, no, never. I wouldn't even know where to start in Bristol. And again, you sort of sweep people in to this wonderful community that you've got. And, you know, I've continued being a little bit her friend, but it's mainly the church that I brought her into who've just swooped her up. And her life's changed, massively changed. Um, and sometimes you get stories like that. Sometimes it takes a long, long time. But there is power when we speak. There's something powerful. Totally. Good. So we're just going to um, finish now um, by praying. And so maybe um, um, you're going, oh, goodness me, like, I don't think I've ever actually encountered God before. Maybe you're going, oh, I'd, I'd really love some friends to get alongside me. Maybe you're... Um, some of you guys going to uni next year or this year and you're like I'd really love some people to journey with maybe you're 30, 40, 50 and you're going I'd love people to journey with and I'd love people around me or maybe you're 30, 40, 50 going I'd love an encounter with the Lord um, I'm just going to pray now and, and uh, I'm welcoming the Lord into that and as I do um, tell him what you want and uh, and I'm sure as a, as a good God, he loves to give us good gifts. So I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Lord, you are so good. You're so good to us. And thank you for the freedom that you 
give to us to walk in. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Thank you for the way that you help us, you carry us, you lift us up. And one encounter with you changes absolutely everything. Thank you, Lord, also for being there in the day-to-day as we go along and um, the times where we just know that we need you. In those times, Father, I pray that you will help us to come to you, to turn to you. And thank you for the joy, the massive amounts of joy that we have when we see people understand you or uh, or hear about you and uh, have their misconceptions about you change. When we have friends who um, recognize that when they come to you, they, that your yoke is easy, your burden is, is light. So, Father, whatever it is that we know we need in order, in order to, to journey with you in this discipleship, Father, may you uh, give it to us now. As we come to you and say, Lord, I need your help. Uh, and I want uh, friends to journey with. I want an encounter with you. I want to know you more. Lord, we ask for that. And we thank you so much for the way that you give so abundantly and so well. So we thank you this time. We thank this community. And I pray that you'll uh, uh, bond uh, and unite this community in a way that they haven't even seen yet. Uh, so they'll see you work in really powerful ways. And particularly in this youth group, Father, we pray that you will unite them strongly. Father, they'll have a desire to see you work in their day-to-day lives and that that won't come from a, a sense of, okay, well, how are we going to do this and a duty, but it'll come out of a love uh, and an understanding of who you are and what they've empowered, uh, what you've empowered them to do. So thank you, Father. We love you. We lift you up. Uh, praise your name. Uh, we love you so much. Amen.